the will to win is the fire that burns within each of us. Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan, and I'm here with an awesome dude. We've been having a lot of cool pre-show talk. Creighton Wong, what's up, my man? Good, good. Glad to be here and uh, glad to be all in with you, my friend. I appreciate that, man. I, I mean, we just got this book last minute, and I, it was cool. I was reading through your sheet, but then we start talking about stuff, and I always get sucked into this trap. I was explaining a little bit of this. We do, we do pre-show talk, and some of the pre-show talk, I was like, hey, can you say that all over again? You know, just because it, it was such good stuff when we were talking about digital marketing. But can we get into that a little bit later again? Is that cool? Because that was really Yeah, yeah, cool. absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's really ties into the name of the show to being all in because it, a personal brand, if people are not investing in their personal brand right now, you know this, if they're not investing in their personal brand, their business is going to hit a plateau at some point, especially in the, in the realm of digital marketing. So let's, let's save that because, dude, I'm really pumped about some of the info that my team put in front of me here because, man, you just seem like you've had an interesting life so far. And I'd it's been eclectic. It's been yeah. eclectic for sure. So, you know. so please tell, tell everybody, because you're talking, you know, like 30 plus countries right now, brother. Tell everyone who you are, where you're located right now, because that's also pretty awesome. You know, I, I don't think I've had someone this far away do a room <laughs> show with me before too it's pretty cool so go for it who are you yeah who are you yeah so so my name's my name's Creighton Wong and uh, I, I grew up uh, from Oakland California born and raised and but this conversation is while it's happening at uh, 2 p.m. central time it is actually 2 a.m. Uh, my time which I'm totally fine because I'm hopped up on a uh, cafe suda that's the uh, Vietnamese iced coffee with a little uh, condensed milk to sweeten it up a little bit and uh, so I'm in Saigon it's uh, it's the oldest story in the book uh, you know about five years ago I joined a group called Hacker Paradise and I wanted to work abroad and live abroad and and just have these meaningful life experiences and um, you know and, and this is actually a good story to tell because I really wanted to go to Chiang Mai Thailand like that's that's where all the the digital nomads it was kind of the it place and that's where I wanted to go and, and that's where Hacker Paradise was going and then they decided to shuffle the deck and they wanted to go to Da Nang Vietnam first Bali Indonesia second and then Chiang Mai uh, Thailand and so I, I I had a decision to make you know did I want to wait to Chiang Mai or did I just want to go and the conversation was back nice. real quick. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, what is hacker paradise? Because I own a cybersecurity firm too in Chicago and that you just say this <laughs> thing out, you throw this out there and none of this is on any information you gave at the time. I'm like, Whoa, no, 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 it's not. What, what is hacker paradise? Because it sounds pretty freaking cool. What is this? Yeah. So, so uh, hacker paradise is this cool little outfit that sets up uh, remote work places and, and travel places. So for example, you know, we go to Da Nang, Vietnam, they, they set up our living space, they set up a workspace within that living space. And then the real cool thing is you're, instead of showing up all by yourself, you show up with this community of like-minded people who are uh, 
some people are hackers, right? They're coding uh, yeah. things. Uh, some people are entrepreneurs like myself. Some people are just uh, remote freelancers or, or remote employees that are, are, you know, wanting to explore the world. So I, you know, I, I got in with them and I, my big decision was, do I wait for Chiang Mai? Cause that's the place I really, really wanted to go. And the conversation simply put was, you got to go to Da Nang because if you don't go, it becomes easier to make excuses because there's always a reason not to take that first step, not to take that leap of faith. And so I was like, what the heck? I'm going to yeah. Da Nang, Vietnam. And uh, it's the oldest story in the book, met a girl. And uh, that's a fantastic you know, story to tell, my man. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years later, it usually last year, starts out well, right? As long as it ends well. <laughs> it did. It did. We're 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 happily married and, and cool. hanging out here in Saigon. We're working on uh, her her remote business, my remote business, uh, getting visa paperwork for me here and her back to the states. And uh, you know, it's um, it's fun. It's chaotic. It's maddening. Yeah, how's that been? So you're life. getting visa paperwork for the states, right? Right now. Yeah. How's that yeah. been with COVID? Has that been stalled or where are you guys at? I, <laughs> gosh, so we submitted, this is really maddening. I, I submitted all the paperwork. Everything was, uh, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I put this in my CV either. I, you know, I'm, I come from a law background, uh, UC Davis, uh, King Hall. And, um, like everything was, was perfect, you know, I, and, I, and, yeah. and they literally just came back with the letter. Basically. I think, I think they lost my, I think they lost everything, but the application, they lost all the supporting paperwork. Cause we're oh, literally, yeah. we're literally putting the entire package completely back together again. Um, and so ho we're hoping to, to push that out uh, probably within the week and uh, get that, get that clock ticking yeah, again. Yeah. So I was curious uh, my understanding about, is this, is, this is normal. Yeah, it, well, it is. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of friends. I even have some that work for me right now that are from different countries, even from overseas. And their process yeah. of getting a visa was kind of difficult. You know, you, it's great that you have a law degree. You know, immigration in the States it needs huge reform. It does because it's just, an, it's just an ancient system right now and mm -hmm. nobody has the right idea, but everybody has an idea, which is the craziest part. <laughs> you know, did, did you catch that? Nobody has the right idea, but everybody has an idea. And yeah, that's sure. why things have been so slow with this. But I know our president, President Trump, just suspended pretty much all immigration for now, too. And there, there's good people like you that are kind of caught in the mix of it. Now, I'm not saying whether I either agree or disagree with his stance on this stuff, because the reason was because of COVID and, you know, we're trying to rebuild the economy. I understand the perspective on that, but then there's, it's interesting because I can see the other side of the coin like you to where you're an upstanding individual, a law student, you've done so many different things. You could really contribute to the economy and the society in the States, but yet you're caught in this limbo area to where it's almost like this blanket was just put over. You know, I understand the, Hey, let's keep the, the wrong people out, but I think we need something too to where we need, to say, hey, how do we get the right people in and in a more smoother process? I, I agree. I mean, you, you basically look at it and 
there are people who take advantage of the law, take take advantage oh, of yeah. loopholes in the law, and and then so our, our solution has been to pile on more law, and unfortunately that uh, that does create a lot of uh, red tape for the well intentioned. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you've been in this too because we're you know digital marketing. I, I love I love where the conversation's going too. By the way, sure, it's fantastic because to these points, I mean it, it's great for anybody who's listening to understand that guys like you, or when we're talking about laws in the United States or even elsewhere, that's an interesting perspective you have on how it's almost like a patchwork, you know, because we keep in your phrase, piling on laws to try to fix these things. And sometimes, whether it's legal situations, whether it's digital marketing, whether it's business, sometimes you just have to blow the whole freaking thing up and start again from scratch because that's the best way to do it. You know, all these people that have the ideas, but none of them have the right idea. Maybe that's the way to do it. Because most, like you're saying, dude, are just trying to pile on even more things rather than stripping away and saying, let's start from scratch, man. Square one, because we're at the point where I think that's needed. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you're bringing me flashbacks uh, to my, my three years in purgatory. But uh, <laughs> Immigration you, purgatory? No, 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 in my, in my, my law school career. But you know, the, the classes that I did really, really well uh, were a lot of the federal law classes because they were very well organized. Yeah. And then all the ones that were, like you said, patchwork um, and and less linear, it was it was almost a struggle because it's like you're you're there. There's no order. Uh, there's no natural order to uh, to it, and um, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a little chaotic. Uh, you know my favorite. You know, but yeah. When it comes to law, or you're mostly seen in contracts, but I know this is included in just you know laws that we follow incorporated herein by reference that is one of the the best phrases that i've ever seen because that just like screams this is patchwork this is because there's something else somewhere and then you have to like follow the rabbit down the trail to figure out exactly where the basis of everything was to begin with it's mind-blowing man well, so i i okay I i'll give you this like, example yeah uh uh you know tort law is based on this concept of the RPP, which is the reasonably prudent person. And the standard is what, in, in a lot of cases, is what would a reasonably prudent person do under these circumstances? Yeah. And the problem is the reasonably prudent person doesn't exist because we <laughs> all have these different experiences, these different backgrounds, these different viewpoints and you see it when we're trying to reform, whether it's immigration law or, or a few years back, the, the conversation about health care. You know, I said the problem with health care is every single person is literally their own special interest group. Yeah, yeah. Because they all have a, a different perspective. And nobody's really going to jump to the forefront and say, I'll give up my piece of the pie. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. There was a, an Instagram DM that I had. There's a dude that follows me. I follow him back. His name's Mark. He's an awesome guy. He has a really cool show too, Humans 2.0. He's, okay. he's the top 100 in the world, top 100 podcast. Oh, but cool, cool. I put you because know, there's all this mis misinformation in the media about COVID, you know, and there's yeah. a lot of flip-flopping, just like laws. There's a lot of flip-flopping and patchwork that exists. Flip-flopping in politics? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> then 
there was something that I saw that, you know, was probably one of the most unbiased studies that existed. And it had to do with that 88% of the deaths, it was something in the high 80s, I'm just saying 88% of the deaths had, of course, pre-existing conditions. But the average was 2.5 pre-existing conditions is what each of these people had. So okay. me, the whole thing that I've seen through this whole process, you know, and you're obviously a, a victim in a different way with the whole immigration thing because of everything that's going on. With all of these things happening with COVID, the biggest thing that I've seen is the power of fear and how fear has been the driver for all the help because it's the unknown and people fear what they don't know. So I see Absolutely. this study and I'm trying to put out information and truth as far as, wait, here's unbiased. Here are just the facts. You know, it's time for you to think for yourself rather than letting everybody feed thoughts in you as far as how you should think, how you should feel. So think for yourselves on this. 88% of people have 2.5 pre-existing conditions, those are the ones that are dying, you know, and it's very tragic that anyone has to die. That, that's, that's deep into my heart. And I feel that because my mom's husband had a severe debilitating stroke a few years ago. You know, I've stayed away from her because during this time, because I don't want anything to happen to him, you know, and that would crush me if I was the one that transmitted it to them and then something happened to him. However, when I was trying, I'm trying to put out there that, listen, it's almost like nobody that it's like 7%, it's crazy. You know, there was a, a little wiggle room in there, but 7% of people or 7% of the deaths recorded had nothing else going on in their body. Meaning it was only COVID that was listed as the cause of death, just 7%. So I'm thinking it's like, that means that there's 93% on the flip side of people that actually had something else that contributed to this, to sure. where COVID wasn't the only cause. So I'm trying to do it to eliminate fear, but this amazing guy mark he hits me he's like bro it's like everybody in america has 2.5 pre-existing conditions <laughs> fair enough <laughs> i'm like hmm <laughs> it's like there's an interesting point right yeah, there yeah. you know i'm trying to eliminate fear out of this whole thing he's like bro <laughs> he's like take a look at this he's like do you have something i'm like well i had a gallbladder removed and it's like well then there's a pre-existing condition you don't have yeah, an organ. absolutely you know absolutely. <laughs> i wouldn't we all got something we all got something going on right <laughs> exactly yes yeah, yeah. for sure but uh, you know the things that, that they've talked about you know for the most part, and it's interesting we're going on this road too. I, I take complete blame for this. <laughs> but uh, obesity is like the biggest thing, you know, because it's mm -hmm. like if you're over 80 years old, this was the, the treat. If you're over 80 years old, then yes, you're at severe high risk of death from COVID. Or the other side, if you're not, then the question was obese or not obese. That was the sure. second most contributing factor. You know, and I've gone through my own weight loss journey years ago, but then it goes down into diabetic, you know, heart conditions and all these other yes or no questions in this decision tree. And thus comes the 2.5 pre-existing conditions. You know, gallbladder wasn't in there. Thank God. You know, I feel like I'm good there. But oh, then, it doesn't count then. No. I know, but yeah, right on. So we're talking about laws though. And I almost feel like that's what you're talking about really is that that reason, reasonably prudent person, you know, coming from a health perspective, everyone is still their own special interest group. It's like, it's almost like it's very hard to find people with the same exact combination of conditions. You know, just like I'm sure you, you know, because the countries that you've lived in, when it comes to immigration, it's very difficult to probably find somebody who has the same packet to put together as you that's identical, you and your wife. You know, it, it's interesting. But yet, 
there's this one overarching thing that has hurt all of this. And this is probably going to lead into, if you don't mind, going into uh, the state of your leg, your right leg and everything. Because sure. the, the power of fear, man, is so intense sometimes. And I'm sure you've gone through that situation in your own life. I can't imagine how you wouldn't. You know, I don't know how, how you lost your leg, but I'm going to ask you, how did you? And what, what were your thoughts after that happened, man? You know, taking the outlook for the rest of your life. Yeah, so uh, I am a, what's considered a congenital uh, amputee, which means I was uh, born like this. So, and, and that might have been the easier route in, in a lot of ways, at least from an, a mental and an, and an emotional uh, yeah. state, because I don't actually know any different, right? Whereas, uh, you know, I, I, I've talked to, to friends, and, and, and so there's really almost three uh, different states of mind. There's the congenital, who, which is like, this is just, I am what I am. I, I, I don't yeah. know any different. Um, there's people who, for example, had cancer or other reason and made the decision to amputate their leg. And those people, you know, have a certain amount of control because they're, they're making the decision yeah, yeah. to do it. And then there's those who lose it suddenly in an accident. And, and those guys, it's a little bit of a, 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 what I've noticed, a bigger struggle for them because they've known different. They're now missing something. And sometimes that translates into they're missing a part of them. They're not whole anymore. And uh, it wasn't on their own terms. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had, uh, uh, you know, the good privilege to uh, meet a lot of other amputees in my travels and in my racing and, and so forth. And the one thing that I, I've always noticed that gets everybody over the hump, whatever bucket you fall into, is that focus on purpose. And so one of the organizations that I've done a lot of racing for, I've done a lot of um, fundraising for in the past is the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And what they do is they fundraise to buy these cool athletic uh, prosthetics that are not, to bring it full circle, right, covered by insurance and healthcare. And so it, it becomes extremely cost prohibitive, uh, you know, for, for people to buy on their own a lot of the times. And so through their fundraising efforts, they're able to deliver, you know, the, the, the cool carbon um, running legs, whether it's a sprinter, a long distance running foot or, or a bike leg or, or, you know, whatever the adaptive equipment that's necessary to meet the actual gift of say the carbon fiber foot is yeah. it's less about the foot and it's more about giving the person back their power to do the things that they want to do. And, and that gives them strength. It gives them focus. And then all the negative stuff dissipates. Because it's like, now I can run. Now I can ride a bike. Now I can ski down the slopes. Now I can do whatever activity it is that brings life to me. 
I'm curious, man, because it's that's an incredible perspective. It is, you know, going from the I've always been this way outlook to not knowing any better. And but now all these other things that everybody else can do, I can do them now, too. And I, I think about because everyone struggles with this, you know, when you have something that exists that could potentially make you less. You know, but then you, you talk about purpose as the way to overcome that, which is so amazing, man. But when there's something that happens to you, you have this sense of less. And one of the things that I always see is there's those around you that will try to amplify that feeling of less by saying, oh, you can never do this or you can never do that or you just have to settle and go this direction. You know, how did you overcome that? Because there's always these circles of people that can lift you up. There's always circles of people that can bring you down depending on what's going on in your life. And even more importantly, what's going on in their life because they can focus on the wrong in yours. You know, how did you have the sense of purpose and purpose is great. It drives you forward. That's an incredible perspective. How did you overcome those people that are like, Creighton, I don't know, man, you know, I don't ever see you doing X or I don't ever see you going Y. Yeah. I mean, and in this sense, I think, I'm literally like everybody else yeah. in the world. I mean, I mean, one of the things that I loved about uh, participating in and, and, and racing triathlons is I, I just, I loved looking out into the hundreds or sometimes thousands of, of racers. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to get a lot of attention because I've got this carbon fiber and, and, and fancy gear on me, but but each one of these persons has a story and has a struggle that has driven them to be here because there's a, there's a heck of a lot of easier things to do than uh, go sign up for a triathlon and uh, swim, bike and run, you know, right. One sport's not good enough. Let's, yeah. let's be a masochist and, and, and give ourselves three. Um, you know, the, I think the honest answer is when I was young, I was just young and dumb. I mean, I, I just, I just saw things that I liked and, and, and I went after them. Yeah, or unconditioned, uh, bro. But, you know, people around you yeah. not driving that into your head that saying, no, you can't. Whereas you're just saying from the beginning, well, I can, I see this and I'm not just going to go for one. I'm going to go for all three. I'm yeah, going to be that ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, 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 and it didn't matter what we were playing uh, growing up, it, you know, from basketball to four square, it was just like, I just, I love being physical and I loved, competing that that was the biggest thing it's just competing yeah. out there and, and trying to figure out okay how do i how do i win how do i win like what's you know what's it going to take dude and, that's the that's the question right you yeah. just got me so pumped up i admire you so much for your perspective on this man and I, I mean, i'm complimenting you right now because you deserve it you know rather than taking a look at you know well how do i settle you know how, how do i just see what i but I can actually make it to, you know, a point that, that might be half as good as everybody else. No, you're looking at every scenario. How do I win? How do I blow past everybody else that is whole? How do I blow past everybody else that looks at me as having less or being able to attain less? And how do I continuously go past them and use that? This is the cool part, man, because this is all in because I'm sure in your digital marketing company, everything else, you're always saying, awesome. I just blew past those people, but I want to see how I can lift them up too. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Because now they can gain encouragement from you. Yeah. And, and you know, to me, I've always felt that 
sport is the microcosm for life. Like the parallels are, are right there. Sport just gives us an opportunity to, to test and to play. Yeah. And, and then we try and apply that uh, into real, real life situations. Um, you know, I, I, I just got finished watching the, uh, the last dance and, and boy, you know, just uh, reminded me of every reason that, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love Michael Jordan as a player. Yeah, but man. one of the things that I thought was interesting was uh, there was a quote from Steve Kerr in there. And Steve Kerr <laughs> said, you know, uh, and, and they were talking about uh, after they had traded some punches in a practice. And Steve Kerr said, hey, look, I'm, I'm a pretty darn competitive guy, too. It's not, Michael's not just the only competitive guy on this team. Yeah. You know, he can do a little bit more about that because he's a better athlete. But he's like, you know. I'm a competitor too. And, and so I think that all of us need to remember that, that we, we've all got that competitor in us. We might not be Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, LeBron James, but we can still be a competitor. And uh, I, I always remember the quote by uh, the great late Al Davis. And he said, you know, the will to win is the fire that burns within each of us whatever it is we're competing at whether it's sport or whether it's uh, business whether it's just trying to be the best husband best dad best whatever we got yeah and i, I, I love this conversation because you're and you're inspiring me as we're talking here which is so cool because it there's these moments you know to where we have you know, we can always win but there's these moments to where we lose sight of that where we lose sight of the possibilities of winning because mm -hmm. of different circumstances around us. For you, it could have been your leg. You know, for Michael Jordan, it could have been the flu in the NBA finals. It would have been like, well, we're not gonna win it this year because Michael Jordan's got the flu. Yeah. You know, but that dude went out and still pushed it further. I mean, we're talking about the last dance or Steve Curry, you know, he's like, I'm a competitor too. That's great about Michael, you know, sure. He's just better than me. His skill is there, but does that matter? No, I don't think it does because even in those circumstances when he's playing for one of the best that has ever existed and he's <laughs> underneath that dude's umbrella in his shadow, he's still saying, screw that. I'm still going to give it everything. I'm still going all in. I'm a competitor too. It doesn't matter even if I'm surrounded by everybody that's better than me. And this is the cool part. When you're surrounded by everybody that's better than you, that's the only thing that I usually think of. And I sounds like you too, but I want to encourage everyone to say, only think of cool. I've got nowhere to go but up. I see everybody else around yeah, me that exactly. I can watch and I can I can aspire into because you know what? I'm a freaking competitor. I can crush it just like they can. I may not be where they're at right now, but I can be. I absolutely can be. That's awesome, man. I love that perspective. Yeah, and and, and I think that uh, one of the one of the things, especially as, as the younger generations come up, I mean, uh, The Last Dance is, it, it, it's really almost a memoir on how to be the very best that you can be. You know, again, maybe we don't have the, the, the athletic uh, um, intangibles that make uh, Michael Jordan the best basketball player to ever play, but there's, there's nothing to stop us from competing in whatever discipline it is we decide to do. 
and there's a lot to be learned in that journey. Right on, my man. Do, do you have kids? Uh, no, we don't. I, I have three. And okay, you got a full house. <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah, twins too, which is pretty fun. Yeah, with what we're talking about, you know, there was this thing when I was a kid, you know, that all parents and parenting, we're, we're talking about like without being a competitor in whatever discipline that you're gifted in, you know, you personally. Mm -hmm. As a parent, you know, when I saw how I was raised, and how all my buddies were raised around me, it was always, you know, at that point it was, well, you can do anything you want to in life. And it, it was well-intended, you know, by everyone around me saying, you can do anything you want. You want to be an astronaut, you can be an astronaut. You want to be the next Michael Jordan, you can be the next Michael Jordan. You want to be the next president of the United States, you can be the best president of the United States. I think while it's well-intended, is one of the worst possible pieces of advice or encouragement you can give to a kid. Because to your point, like, Kerr, he was looking at Michael Jordan and saying, I am never going to be him. But you know what? In my discipline, in my role, in my position, even within this team, I can be better than everybody else. You know, just like you're saying, you know, if it's digital marketing, you can be better than everybody else. You can be a competitor in that space, even though, but don't get these crazy thoughts thinking that you can be the best at everything. Because you're going to wind up good at nothing if you think that you can be the best at everything and you go down that road. If, from a parenting perspective, I don't tell my kids that, man. I don't say that you can be anything you want to be. Because what, what if they're horrible playing basketball? What if they're horrible at hand-eye coordination? What if they're not great at math? You know, but they're really, really good at filming. You know, using a camera or having a creative eye, you know, that could be digital marketing, it could be movies, it could be influencing the world and lifting up the world in a different way than what other people do. And I, I love that you're saying the way that you're phrasing this man is so perfect, because it's whatever discipline that you're gifted in is the thing that you can be a competitor in, which is amazing, man. And that's, that's it. When you find what that is, that's where you go in and that's where you crush it. You know, and maybe that's a straight truth for everyone today too, is that you're not gonna be good at everything. There's no way that you can be the best at everything. You can try to compete at everything, but when you find your lane, freaking stick in it and crush it because you know that you can be a competitor. Even if you think that you're better than everybody else, that's not an excuse to be lazy either. That means that you have to push even harder to get past everybody else because at some point, somebody is going to catch up to you if you don't keep evolving and you don't keep growing even in the thing that you're the best at. What did Michael Jordan do? Did he just stop after the first three beats? He tried baseball for a little bit and what did he find out? <laughs> I know, I'm from Chicago, yeah. bro. Yeah, I'm from yeah, Chicago. yeah. He was on, <laughs> he was on the, the White Sox farm team. You know, he yeah. was a outsider, that's cool, but was he any good? He was, eh, okay, not that great. He found out that wasn't his lane. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to basketball. And look what happened. I mean, that's all in the last set. Another three-peat. Another three-peat. That yeah. was his thing. He tried something else, and it's like maybe his parents told him, oh, you can do anything you want to. <laughs> well, not baseball. You can't be that good at everything. So when you find yeah. your thing, freaking crush it and change the world with that. Be that competitor. Yeah, and, and I think that, uh, uh, I mean, it's great. It is great to have lofty goals, right? You want to be yeah. um, the next Michael Jordan. You want to be the, the, I don't know, the next Mark Cuban, um, the next bajillionaire out there, Bill, you know, Bill Gates. Uh, but 
what all, what also has to be attached to that, and, and this is something that um, I preach a lot when it comes to both uh, preparing for a triathlon and on whether it's preparing uh, to to grow a business, is that it's really about the day to day steps to get there, and you know, Michael Jordan came back and, you know, you're talking about back from baseball and he had a baseball body and it took him that half a season and a little bit into the next season for him to get his basketball body back. And so one of the things that uh, uh, a friend of mine taught me, and, and I thought that this was just like, this was earth shattering to me. This was so eye opening. He said, look, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. Because they're just on a different part of the journey, right? I mean, if that guy's been, if that guy's been playing or, or that guy's been in digital marketing for 10 years and you're only in your second year, like you're not in the same place. You're not in the same space. And you can't compare yourself to them because that's just going gonna to bring you down. It's going to weigh you down. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to make you quit and you're going to get frustrated. Uh, because you want to be someplace that you haven't earned yet. And he said, look, uh, he, he said this at the beginning of the year because he said, look, a lot of people screwball this whole, uh, 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 what's it, New Year's resolution thing up yeah. because they want to sit there and they, they do goals, 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 goals. But he said the problem is, is you'll never reach those goals. And that's why whatever the percentage is, 99% of them fail. And he said, the problem is you're mislabeling them. Those are outcomes. This is the outcome you want. And it's okay to have a good outcome, but what you have to do is your goals are your day-to-day. -day. And there's only two things you control. You control what you think and you control what you do. And so he was on his own uh, weight loss journey, uh, similar to yours, and he just said, okay, what can I control? What can I do? I'm going to wake up at 5 o'clock every morning, and I'm going to go for a walk for an hour. So from 5 to 6, he went for a walk for an hour, and lo and behold, eventually he made his outcome of dropping 60 pounds and being in better shape. Yeah, yeah. And then he decided to move the bar up and I think he hired a Navy SEAL and you know now he's like the most jacked 55-year-old ever or what you know. But <laughs> that's so you cool. know but the that's what I want to by the way the most jacked 55-year-old ever. There you go. There you go. You know. Well, you got three you got three little monsters so you know you got to be able to beat them up for a while. But uh, my twins are turning 13 this month which is like <laughs> Feeling my mind, all right, because they're, they're they're also um, I'm tall. My wife's tall. Come from tall families. I, I'm six one. There you uh, go. I mean, you know, six six Michael Jordan, and he was kind of short for the game too. You know, but yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> but the dude flew. Yeah, but uh, I look at my daughter who is you know just turning thirteen, or my son who's just turning thirteen because they're twins, boy and girl. And my son's shoe size at 13 years old is like a freaking size 11 and I'm a size 12. You know, my daughter's shoe, feet are bigger than my wife's. You know, so I'm looking, it's like these kids are going to be taller than I am because I've got uncles that are taller than me. I've got, uh, I've got extended family that are taller than me. My wife has a father that's, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so it's crazy, man. It's, a, it's interesting seeing this. But yeah, you're right because 
they're really, really good kids and they focus their energy into very positive things. I know I'm a little biased with this, you know, but <laughs> I would be straight. I'd give you straight up, you know, if my kids were kind of crazy, but it's cool because just like you said, man, bringing this full circle, you know, with, with your leg, right? When we had twins, a lot of people would tell us, oh, just wait, you're not going to get any sleep. You know, you've got two twins around and it, or, or two kids around and just wait, because if you have more kids, now you have, you know, multiples and you could have more multiples after this since it happened the first time. And just all this weird negative saying instead of, you know, yeah. there was the, oh, these kids are cute and everything else. It's like just, everything was focused on us as parents saying, you know, you're going to have a tough time. You got two there. You got a boy and a girl. That's really cool that they're boy and girl twins. But you know what? They can't wear the same clothes. It's like, what the f? I, the, the, <laughs> what kind of stupid crap is this? And everybody's telling us, you, you know, you are what you focus on, man. <laughs> I know, right? You know, and, and we figured it out. But to your point, we didn't know any better. You know, yeah, I do yeah, feel yeah. sorry for those that had a single child, a single kid, and then had multiples after that because they would know better. You know, and to your point, it's like that you just didn't know any better because you were born that way. It's congenital versus somebody who might have lost the, part of their leg or their leg later on in life, and now they have to try to adapt. We didn't know any better, but still, you know, that was really like the purpose of my questioning earlier is because yeah. even when you have, you know, a leg's a different sort, but we, even when you have two freaking gorgeous, healthy kids that are born, there's always going to be people around that are going to just try to find the negative, you know, and, and that's because they were born in that or raised up in that environment, you know? So I remember when they were first born, when they were first born, you don't mind me going down this road, do you? Tell yeah, them, no, no. This is fun. Trying to feed them, right? And they were big kids when they were born, too, for twins. My son was six pounds, six ounces, and my daughter was five pounds, seven ounces. So my wife was carrying around 11 pounds of baby. You know, Your wife was probably two, happy to give birth. Yes. They, she was induced at 37 weeks because yeah. she was bigger, you know? Perfectly healthy pregnancy. The kids were perfectly healthy when they were born. You know, but then because they were that, they weren't like – they were really full-size kids, even at that. But they're like, you know what? They're not quite seven pounds. So what you got to do is you got to wake them up every three hours overnight and feed them, you know, almost like force food down their throat just so they can get all the nutrients they need because they're missing that last three weeks. They were induced yeah. at 37 weeks. Like, okay, no problem. So we get one up, we feed them. We get another one up, we feed them. And that's like, wait a second. It, they're, they're halfway asleep. You know, and so now those thoughts are echoing in my head about people saying, you're never going to get any sleep. And I'm sitting, I'm like, I'm not getting any sleep. Everybody was right. And it's like, wait a second. I can win at this. Okay. <laughs> I can crush this feeding of my kids overnight. So we figured out that, you know, and we were trying to do both in one arm or, you know, carrying like footballs or something like that. But then, dude, it was like one night. I, th I think it was my wife that actually figured this out. It wasn't me. She brought in their baby carriers, like their car seats set them on the floor, set a kid up in each one, and just like double-fisted fed them with a bottle. And that was it. <laughs> it took 45 minutes, that's it. And then there we did alternating shifts. So each of us got like a consecutive, we, we both got maybe six to seven hours a night after we figured this out, after just like three weeks, that's it. You know, but the, consecutively, we were each getting like four hours of sleep. It was beautiful. We won. We freaking won at it, no matter what. You, what you figured it out. Exactly. And by the way, that's that's what entrepreneurialism is. It's just like, man, it hits the fan almost every day, and yep. your job is to sit there and figure it out. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's life. It's For like sure. 
There's so um, many things that can hit you as an entrepreneur. And it is that too. You're saying there's yeah, so many things yeah. that can hit you every day. There's a secret that most entrepreneurs don't want to talk about or the people who are not entrepreneurs that are working, you know, the regular W2 jobs, you know, and still doing crushing their world of things. Yeah. There's a, there's a difference because so many things hit you every single day. There's this secret that goes on in the back of our heads as entrepreneurs. I'm sure you get this. One, one is a fear of never being broke again. You know, that's the first one. But the second is you almost want to quit and throw in the towel every single day because mm -hmm. there's always something new that comes up, but it's always something new to, to win over. It's always something new to overcome. And if you're not thinking that direction, man, I mean, we've talked about a lot of reasons with this, all the reasons that Michael Jordan could have looked at things and said, Oh, I don't want to go through this again. You know, all, yeah. all the difficulties, those were laid out in the last dance, all the troubles with yeah. the management and the owner and uh, all of these other things that were pressing down on him. I mean, they didn't even want Pippen on the freaking team, you know, and, and he was part of it. So all these different pressures that are coming in, but he's still saying, screw it. I still know what I have to do and I'm still going to overcome all this junk, this negativity around me and I'm going to win. Yeah, you know, so when I first got my uh, my cool running blade, you know, and, and started to run, uh, it it uh, it wasn't a smooth road, and uh, we, we it 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 took a lot of uh, um, engineering to to figure out a system that worked, and you know, and even then it was it was murder on my back, and. I just remember there was a period of time where I was waking up at uh, five o'clock in the morning to go down to the local high school uh, because the track would be empty because all the high school kids are still sleeping. And, and I'd go run around the track and try and figure it out. And, and, and there were days and there were days I'd come back and in the conversation, there, there was nobody else around. So the conversation was with myself and I just said, do you got one more in you? Because if it's, if it's all over and you don't want to run anymore, has it been worth it? And as long as I could answer yes to that, I'd go out at least one more time. I couldn't think about going 10 more times or 100 more times. Can I just get up for one more time and try one more time? And, you know, eventually, uh, you know, like I said, it, it was never um, a smooth process. and uh, but you know, it got me across a lot of finish lines and that lesson is, is some, sometimes what I've got to draw on even today in the entrepreneurial world when it's like everything seems to be broken, especially with tech, right? Tech breaks all the time. I, I, I tell people, I like, yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm having a bad tech day. And it's like, it's like, all right, you know what? Go grab a beer, take a mulligan. Is it all worth it? And as long as I can answer yes, just sh just show up again and show up again, and uh, and that's what it takes. Uh, because there was a uh, there was a, I think it was, she was a Stanford professor who analyzed the number one thing that makes entrepreneurs and uh, business owners successful, and that character trait wasn't SAT scores or, or brains or the number of books read. Uh, the amount of wealth you grew up with, it, it was grit. Just that four-letter word, grit. Like how much perseverance do you have 
because you're going to go through it at some point. Yeah. You can't, you're, there's, nobody doesn't go through it at some point. Or and, multiple and so, points. <laughs> yeah, multiple points, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, because I, I see it all the time, right? It's, it's, it's like a, it's a fashionable thing to say, hey, take the first step because the first step's the most important. And, and you know, to me, uh, oh, bro. you can – you, you can get really excited about the first step. I mean, you can pump yourself and yeah. up for that first step. I'm like, what about the second day when you're sore? What about the third day when you're sick? What about the fourth day when you really just don't want to, but you know you got to? Yeah, man. Those, those are the days that you got to show up. You're hitting, you're hitting, I think, the one thing right here. Because it, it really, it really is never, you know, I always talk to people about, Hey, you just got to start. And they're like, how do you begin? I'm like, you just got to start, you know? And then once you get past that, I'll give you a secret, the secret to the next. Right. But really the one thing is to your point, bro, the first step is not the most difficult step. It's always the next step is the most difficult step. No matter if you're one step in 10 steps in a hundred steps in, it's always the next step that is the most difficult step because you're going to face new things, new challenges, new things every single day. But it's that next step where, what was that one question you said? Do, do I have one more in me? Do I have one more day in me? Yeah. And, and if you stop today, would, it, would everything that you've done have been worth it? Because if it was worth it up until now, you got one more day in you. No problem. That's amazing, man. Do I have one more day in me? That's the next step. That's so powerful, brother. Uh, oh my goodness. You're, if I was a crier, I'd be crying right now. For, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I just feel it welling up inside of me because that's a passion because so many people want to want to give up and you never know where that breakthrough is going to be. That's the crazy thing. You never know if it's going to be step 87 or if it's going to be step 192. Yeah, you always yeah. have to take that next step. And that next step is always going to be the most difficult step you ever take because it's a step and a place you've never been before. Or, or ask Colonel Sanders, right? It was what, a, something like a thousand and fifty-seven no's before he got his yes, and yeah. now he's sold more fried chicken in the history of the world. Yep. And I, you know, it used to be good fried chicken. I don't know if it still is. I don't eat there. <laughs> I used to chow that down, man. Used to go to those buffets, those lunch buffets around the area at KFC. There you go. Oh, you there can't you go. find a KFC without a Taco Bell right next to it. Oh, you know, <laughs> extra crispy, extra, extra spicy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude, that's a fantastic place to shut this conversation down, too. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> exactly. I love it. But man, thank you so much for being on is where can everyone find you, you know, on social media? I know you have a digital marketing company too. I want to point everybody to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Creighton Wong, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I love connecting with, uh, people there and, uh, you can check out my website. It's exponentialclients.com. And if you go there, we, we just launched the website and, uh, you know, if, uh, if you go there, I've got uh, a free training called the ultimate business growth playbook. And a lot of the concepts that we, we've talked about and touched on today, uh, you'll find in that training. And, and so uh, check that out. Again, that's exponentialclients.com. That's awesome, man. Thanks so much for being on, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. It has, yep. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. 
As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Uh, what we did was we, we actually provide um, a free training called the Ultimate Business Growth Playbook. Oh, cool. And it's built on this concept of all in, and the three tenets of it are, are basic. well, you know, the main tenant, the, the first part of it is, hey, look, if you're not willing to put in the research to know yeah. exactly where you're at, yeah. where you stand, all this, this kind of stuff, then you're just, you know, you're, you're just a monkey shooting darts. You're right going to win every once in a while. You're, yep. you're not going to and, – and when I do that training, I actually tether that to my um, experiences in, in the triathlon world because That's it's awesome, like, look, it's all, about, it's all about that preparation. It is, yeah. Before the game plan. Yep. And then you let the data drive your game plan.